Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of VI Shots. My name is Michael Ivaliotis, and this is the podcast devoted to the world of LabVIEW. With each episode, I bring you interviews, discussions, and share with you ideas for how you can take your LabVIEW development to the next level. Well, thank you again for joining me on this episode of, VI, of the VI Shots podcast. I'm very excited today to have with me Eli Carey from National Instruments, who's the Senior Product Manager for LabVIEW. Uh, we'll, we'll get into talking with him in a second, uh, and he'll be talking, of course, about the release of LabVIEW 2012 and all the new stuff that's in there. Uh, this week's biggest event, of course, for everyone who uses LabVIEW is NI Week. It's going on right now, and it's a show everyone must attend if you want to learn about all the latest technology and trends surrounding National Instruments products and services. Uh, it's been going on this week from August 6th to 9th. Um, today, actually, as well, at 4 p.m., um, I'm having a VI Shots Live from the Technology Theater. So if you guys are at the show listening to this, then um, feel free to join the, the at the Technology Theater and listen to the VI Shots Live. I'll have uh, several guests, members from the LabVIEW community, and uh, we'll also be taking questions from the audience, uh, and we'll have some interaction there, so it'll be fun. So, Eli, welcome to the show. Thanks, Michael. Uh, pleasure to be here. So, um, you're the Senior Product Manager for LabVIEW. What, what exactly um, does that involve? Well, Michael, I have the uh, the pleasure and the honor of of working directly with customers using our product, as well as uh, helping R and D understand the direction and new features to develop, uh, and of course, coordinating all those efforts across the various organizations here at I and working closely with partners such as yourself to make sure that we're equipping you guys with the latest and greatest technology and all the right new features in in LabVIEW and our platform. Now, I know uh, so. Here you're today uh, going to be discussing about uh, Labby 2012 and all the, the cool new features. However, you have a, another presence on the community as well. Uh, I know you're in the large apps community forum and you hang out there a lot. What, what, talk to us a little bit about that side of things. Yeah, inna.com slash large apps is where we like to organize all the content around Labby for real complex and advanced systems. And it's kind of been a... a a real passion of mine to help people understand how, how LabVIEW can be used for a lot of these cutting-edge, mission-critical applications that require, uh, you know, diligence be, be done in order to ensure the quality, reliability, and scalability of, of the overall system. And so that portion of our website is really dedicated and focused on uh, the architectural best practices and the development processes that uh, can and should be applied to the use of LabVIEW in order to coordinate teams of developers and, and review code and integrate with source code control and just generally ensure that, that you're going to be able to develop a high quality application while reaping all the productivity benefits of LabVIEW. So basically we're talking about uh, tools or different techniques it's a combination of tools, processes, architectures. I have a blog on there, and the topics range from uh, why and how to use object-oriented approaches to specific design practices or uh, how to integrate with source code control tools or tips and tricks for uh, 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 you know, performance and optimization of code. So really, I, I, you know, as, a, as a passionate lab user myself, it tends to be an outlet for me to discuss interesting and useful things that I, I uh, find valuable about the product. And then also to, uh, you know, based on my experience and the time I spend working with customers and addressing their challenges, to share that, that information and the insight with the, the greater community. 
I know you're a big advocate of uh, object-oriented programming. Um, I, I get I get questions a lot from people that come up and say, you know, what, you know, why should I be using object-oriented? I mean, I'm fine with what I do. I mean, <laughs> what do you say to that? Well, you know, it's interesting because for the longest time, I had the same opinion uh, when OO first became available in LabVIEW in eight two. I wasn't an instant convert myself. Uh, uh, like many people, I kind of saw it as potentially more complex. And, uh, you know, it, it does require some effort and energy to learn. But uh, tell you what, now that I've, I've gone to the dark side, as it were, I'm a true OO convert. I really see it as the ultimate solution that ensures scalability of the software. And, you know, there's a reason that OO has been so well adopted across other environments and other languages as well. The, the, features it has in terms of the ability to encapsulate data and ensure that you can inherit behaviors and even extend and override them. Make it a truly scalable approach to implementing any relatively uh, uh, complex architecture. And so, like I said, these days, I am a huge OO advocate. And I think that you know, one, one of the valuable things about OO and LabVIEW is that you can draw from a wealth of experts outside of the LabVIEW community in terms of other design approaches and architectures that are well-established across all sorts of different languages. Those can be leveraged and implemented in LabVIEW as well. Right. And uh, with, with 2012, I think, with LabVIEW 2012, I think there's, um, there's some, some frameworks and, and templates and things that'll, that'll help you get closer to achieving, you know, that goal of working with object-oriented as well. Um, let, let's get into that. So, uh, so LabVIEW 2012 is it's released today. Um, yep. some cool new features. There's, there's some that are community driven and there's some that, you know, and I have developed, um, let's start from the top here. How about the, uh, one of, one of your favorite features that uh, are in 2012? Well, of course there's always, there's, there's a lot of new features in Labby 2012. And so it's hard to, to pick just one. I think, you know, as far as things that I find really helpful and beneficial on a regular and daily basis, uh, you know, just something as simple as being able to change all of my icons to terminals with one click uh, by being able to do a, a selection on a group of objects and perform those operations all at once. Extremely useful. But really the highlight of 2012 are the new templates and sample projects that every user will see when they launch the new getting started window. We're really trying to avoid uh, having people set down the path of starting from a blank VI every single time by, by providing these really well-vetted well-architected starting points that uh, provide uh, illustrations of recommended design patterns being used for a, a breadth of measurement applications and control applications and even multi-process object-oriented applications. So I think you were alluding to the inclusion of the actor framework in LabVIEW 2012, which is a powerful uh, a framework that's been in use by the community for a few years now. It's now actually in LabVIEW 2012, and there is a template illustrating its use for a multi-process uh, object-oriented architecture. So just, just go back a few steps a little bit. So, um, I mean, we've had templates in LabVIEW from, from before, I believe. I mean, you go into file new and it says, I want a new VI or a new X control or whatever. Um, how different is this new approach from what we've had before? Completely different. So these were painstakingly developed to ensure that these are not just some simple while loop with a single VI. These are real world design patterns that are recommended starting points that ensure an application built on top of these will scale for future functionality. And so if you, uh, even the simplest one, it's going to actually be a, a, a state machine illustrating a finite measurement application with basic acquisition and uh, uh, the ability to export and load data. Uh, 
There's also sample projects for continuous data logging and interaction with DAC. So these are much more robust templates and starting points. And in addition, you know, there's there's a the the previous templates were single VI templates, and so these are actually projects. And creating a new project from one of these templates will actually create a new copy of code on disk. So you no longer have to worry about modifying the original source of the template. These are fully intended to be uh, instantiated building blocks that can then be used for a number of different applications and include a breadth of documentation and, and all sorts of uh, uh, inline comments. And uh, some of them have quite a quite large library of VIs and, and type definitions. Yeah, again, so, it's a, so it's a whole collection of VIs that, that compose this sort of template. And um, and I believe it's like a wizard. It guides you through and asks you what, what do you want to name it and all this stuff. And it just there's steps that go that it goes through to be able to guide you through creating or start instantiating this. Yeah, in fact, you can actually uh, overlay custom icon headers if you want across all the member VIs or uh, provide custom namespaces when you create a copy of this template for a new project. Great. And uh, how are these? Uh, so these are defined from as they ship with LabVIEW. There's there's certain frameworks and templates that come with it, and um, we can also extend this as well. Yeah. So that's one thing that I know a lot of advanced users I've spoken with have been really excited about. Uh, for years, architects have struggled to find some effective mechanism by which they can distribute starting points or templates to team members. And because this framework was developed with that in mind, it's totally open and advanced users can create and add their own uh, and actually extend this experience to have uh, custom options when creating a new one. Uh, they can take advantage of things like the icon overlays, but they can actually add their own custom steps if they want to add some additional functionality to the uh, creation of a new project. We've we've had uh, experience in the past where you know examples in the example finder are some of them are not uh, as good of you know examples of you know proper co proper coding styles and proper practices. A lot of us look at the examples as you know just that you know of how to do something, but not necessarily how to do it uh, in the most elegant way or the or uh, using best software practices, so design practices. How different are these um, you know? templates and frameworks that are in the uh, instantiator? Well, I tell you what, we went through a painstaking review process to ensure that the templates and sample projects in 2012 are extremely well-designed, exemplary illustrations of how LabVIEW code should be written and architected. And so these were extensively reviewed not only by R&D, but also systems engineering, as well as experts in marketing to ensure that these were very high quality starting points that we could feel confident recommending to the breadth of our different users to build their applications from. So, you know, you'll, you'll see evidence of this in terms of the, the structure of the code, as well as the extent of the documentation and the comments detailing exactly how these things were designed, how they're intended to be used, and where and how code should be modified or customized. Yeah, I've, I've gone through some of them. Um, and yeah, I would have to agree that uh, they're much better. Um, it's, it's a vast improvement over what we've seen in the examples. Um, even though I think we and I should still go through the examples and improve those as well, because I think a lot of people still use those. But um, hopefully some of this, um, uh, hopefully this, this new framework or this instantiator will help uh, create a new breed of, of examples and frameworks that, that people can start with. Well, and actually, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because we do have plans to go through the example finder and do just that in uh, the uh, next couple versions of LabVIEW. But it's important to keep in mind that, you know, there's, there's thousands of examples in the example finder, and those right. are really meant to be 
conceptual illustrations of how to use low-level APIs and, and the breadth of their capabilities, whereas the templates and sample projects are really how to combine design patterns with some of those APIs to actually build a working, running system that, again, will scale. And so those will remain separate from one another because they are conceptually different purposes, but we are aware that that we want to improve the quality of the code that we ship in the example finder. And as I mentioned, we do have plans to do that. So you mentioned the uh, actor framework. Uh, talk a little bit about that and how that uh, how that is, you know, how is it? It was a separate uh, add on to LAVI or, or was it a toolkit or and now it's part of LAVI? Explain that a little bit. Well, so the actor framework refers to a library of VIs that's been available for free from the LabVIEW community on NI.com. And it was really developed by a couple people here at NI, uh, specifically Stephen Mercer and Alan Smith, who were coming across a common set of, of requirements from customers. And that is they wanted to build these systems with multiple asynchronous running processes that could dynamically spawn new processes and then perhaps even extend the capabilities of an existing process. And you know, most people, myself included, would have previously gravitated towards a queued message handler or producer-consumer-based approach, which is perfectly valid. But as he's become more complex, there were a lot of areas where if you had a, an existing queued message handler with certain commands predefined and you wanted to add a new one for the sake of a new instrument, there was a lot of duplication of code to do that. And basically, by encapsulating both the message structure and the data scope of the processes into classes... You have a very, very extensible framework that allows you to create and spawn multiple uh, actors, which really, conceptually, you should think of as just a queued message handler. But you can spawn multiple actors and then extend and change the behavior of child actors simply by creating a new child class that is derived from the actor parent. So it is a more advanced framework, and frankly, it takes some some hands-on experience, but there are a lot of great resources both in the product and on the community to learn it, and I myself have become a huge fan of, of the Actor framework. So let's let's talk a, a, few, a little bit about some of the other features. Um, you have you mentioned um, <clears throat> selecting a bunch of controls and uh, doing actions upon them. Um, what, what exactly can you do? Because before we could do some things, but we were kind of limited, correct? Yeah, so there... In, in 2012, if you select a bunch of items on the block diagram, you can do things like turn labels on and off, uh, create controls, create indicators, whatever, whatever operations are common ac across the uh, collection of items that you've selected. And so from a, a time savings perspective, a lot of the productivity enhancements that come to the ID exchange every year are really just saving a click or two, but you know, across the development cycle of an entire project that adds up to be a significant amount of time. And so I know I myself appreciate that one. Um, and there's, there's of course, several others, uh, including. So you can uh, create, so you can create constants right now by selecting a bunch, a group of items. You can create constants, right? Yep. And controls, controls. and indicators. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that, that is a right click menu option or does it go into the properties of the, so the property panel? You actually have only to just right-click and you'll see those options there displayed. Okay, right in the menu, yeah. But that's just one of the productivity enhancements from the ID Exchange. So um, a few others worth mentioning. Uh, there's now an, uh, an editor for string constants, so you don't have to expand those on the block diagram and potentially risk moving everything around. Um, there are new, new label for structures called the sub-diagram label. Uh, which basically allows you to scale and move structures while preserving that nice looking label that that spans the top of the structure. So we're we're talking about a uh, 
you know, some comment text or some description text that you could put sort of inside of the structure to describe, yep. you know, what it, what it does, because yep. we all know that we have to comment our code, correct? <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, so that's kind of built into the structure itself. So it makes it easier for the user to, to resize things and, and have the, that uh, text stay with the structure, which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think one that I find especially useful is uh, uh, if ever you are using a loop to, to build a new array of data, if you wanted to do that conditionally, you know, you couldn't use the build array tunnel on the output of that loop. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, usually you'd throw down a case structure and you'd say, if this condition is met, then add it. And you'd have to have some pre-initialized array to the left of the loop. Uh, in 2012, there's now the ability to uh, use that build array tunnel and then add a conditional input terminal. And that can specify whether or not to add that new item to the array. Yeah, that's that's actually very powerful. Um, it saves up a lot of diagram space. And um, I, I was listening to, um, sorry, I was on the beta, the Live 2012 beta, and I was uh, listening to some concerns about, uh, you know, uh, efficiency of that function. But uh, from what I hear, it's, it's just as efficient as, uh, you know, doing it the old way as well, right? Yeah, from the compiler's perspective, it's the exact same as doing it the old way. And I, I know that longer term, we already have identified some ways to, uh, you know, within the various transforms that we're able to perform on the compiler side, actually further optimize some of those operations. But for now, it's performance-wise the exact same as just using a case structure in the loop. Mm -hmm. But definitely uh, makes code uh, more readable and uh, easier to maintain, definitely. Yep, yep. So um, some of the other new features worth highlighting, Michael, include, uh, you know, we, we talked a lot about stability last year. And I, I don't know if you've seen the... Well, hopefully you haven't seen it, but if there was ever a crash in 2011, we had a new error reporting dialogue. Um, hopefully you, you, you don't see this, but if you do, it's basically streamlining the process of sending us information about what happened when LabVIEW experienced a problem. And so um, we were able to get, I would have to say that I've seen it. <laughs> sorry about that. But, but the good I, news is, I always send all my messages to an eye. <laughs> as a punishment for seeing this dialogue. It's like, well, I'm going to just send it to you. So there. Well, don't think of it as punishment, actually. In <laughs> fact, it's very important that everyone listening, you know, turn on the error reporting capability and that they send us uh, that information whenever they, they get it because it's extremely valuable for us. And thanks to the fact that we now have a year's worth of data uh, uh, to collect and, and make decisions, we were able to be more strategic and more focused in our efforts to really uh, resolve the top most reported issues and common problems in LabVIEW. So as a result, 2012 is a very stable version. Well, it's great to, to see that tool immediately becoming useful for you guys and, uh, you know, showing some improvements. I think that's, that, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, it should, so, should make for a very good user experience. So there's, uh, you said there was a few other things that were community-driven, uh, productivity enhancements and other things. Uh, yeah, so I mentioned the string editor. Uh, you can now actually tell LabVIEW where to place labels on controls and indicators separately. So a lot of people want controls to have it to the left and indicators to the right. There's some new options for how you display uh, truncated paths. Uh, there's an API for the icon editor. Of course, there's always a laundry list of productivity enhancements. But uh, you know, if I could, uh, going back to templates and sample projects, uh, those are... are non-trivial uh, applications. And so because of that, another important feature of 2012 is the introduction of the LabVIEW Skills Guide. I don't know if you've heard of that yet, but basically it seeks to provide a consolidated 
set of resources for really understanding and mastering all the fundamental lab use skills through to advanced software engineering concepts and even the use of, of hardware platforms for more sophisticated applications. So you mentioned large apps earlier. That's one of the many different resources that it draws from to provide a consolidated set of recommended learning materials all in one location. So is this is this is built into the LabVIEW environment or how does that work? It's on NI.com, but when you launch LabVIEW 2012, the welcome dialogue will have a link at the top uh, that will take you straight into the new skills guide experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that the skills guide experience actually points users to is is also uh, a new thing that we're launching with 2012, and that is the new self-paced online training option. And this actually takes core one, two, and three and makes it available online, on demand, 24-7 for any customer that's current on service or has uh, LabVIEW 2012 and DevSuite. Oh, that's that's amazing. I mean, because uh, that, that previously was a, a paid course, correct? Um, well, I mean, it still is, but uh, this is included now with, with the LabVIEW um, license? Absolutely. So yeah, again, if you're active on service, you have access to this. And of course, it's hard to replace the experience of having an instructor-led training experience. But for new users that either don't have the time or budget to go to a class or for users that have been through a class years ago and want to brush up on skills, definitely a very valuable resource to uh, uh, revisit and, and get that information anytime on demand. So you've been mentioning the getting started window uh, quite a quite a bit. There's some, there's some actually some changes to that this year, correct? I mean, as far as what's on the getting started. Yeah. So, I mean, aesthetically, it looks a lot different and it's really the the staging ground for a lot of the new features we've already mentioned. So when you click create project, that'll launch the, the dialogue to see the list of new templates and sample projects, uh, which by the way, is, is a direct product of what you have installed on your system. But those range from DAC to Rio based sample projects. Um, this is also where you'll be able to uh, launch the Labby skills guide. And then of course, there's the find drivers and add-on section, which will include a link to uh, the Labby tools network, which is powered, of course, by VI package manager. Yay. Plug for me. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and actually, well, on that note, it's important to realize that uh, the VI package manager is now actually included in the LabVIEW platform DVD. So for anyone with access to 2012, you actually have the installer available on your system. Yeah, I think that will be uh, helpful for a lot of people that um, find it difficult to get it online and so on and so forth with, within certain companies. I think that'll help adoption and uh, make it easier for people to get uh, LabVIEW add-ons through the tools network. Yeah, I agree. So uh, also in the getting started window, there's um, I noticed there's a visual change as far as there's a list of um, of items. What are those things that you can add to the list? You can manage that list, correct? Yeah, so there's two lists. The one on the left are uh, recently created templates and sample projects. So if you find yourself instantiating one of those on a regular and repeated basis, uh, you know, you'll see it there and you can just click it to create a new instance of it. On the right side, you'll have all of the projects that you've recently opened, uh, be it previous projects or new projects. And one of my favorite things is for myself, I know that there's a few in particular that I'm, I'm always working in and I can pin those down now so that they will always appear in the same location on that list. Uh, which ensures that as you go through, you know, the whirlwind of other projects that you might want to be working on periodically, that those more important ones always appear at the top of that list and are readily readily available to to open and edit. Yeah, because previously I think LabVIEW decided just you know to, to 
present what's in the list of recently used items based on, you know, what was last used and so on. Um, and you can also, and then also you could only see like the two last projects and so on and so forth. But now in 2012, you have more control of that list to make it, you know, personalize it. Yeah, exactly. So I know, again, I have some of my more commonly used projects. They're just sitting at the top, so they're always there. So we've talked about LabVIEW 2012, and we've gone into, into detail on some of the features. Um, of course, LabVIEW is not on its own. It includes a whole ecosystem of tools and add-ons that go with it. Um, are there any add-ons or other tools that are being uh, announced this week related to LabVIEW? Yeah, in fact, we're announcing the release of several new add-ons and toolkits. Uh, off the top of my head, there is the new LabVIEW GPU toolkit which if you haven't heard, GPUs have highly parallel architectures that are great for advanced algorithms. So this toolkit basically allows LabVIEW users to take advantage of NVIDIA-based GPUs for some advanced computations. There is the new uh, Sparse Matrix and Advanced Multicore Analysis Toolkit, uh, which as the name implies, basically allows you to manipulate large data sets that are represented by by sparse matrices uh, more easily in memory and, and uh by taking advantage of some of the sparse matrix libraries, uh, perform those computations more efficiently. Um, there is a new biomedical toolkit, which some analysis functions dedicated to that particular application area. Uh, and of course, a lot of our existing add-ons uh, continue to get new features and new capabilities, such as the vision module, which adds the ability to create 3D data plots based on stereoscopic image analysis. So you can do 3D inspection and uh, uh, determine distance and create field maps using those new uh, analysis algorithms. So uh, this week at NI Week, are you doing any presentations? Yeah, so I'll be giving several sessions. Uh, I'll be giving the What's New in LabVIEW 2012. Uh, you can find me at the Introduction to the Templates and Sample Project sessions. Uh, there will be a session that I'll be giving on software engineering best practices for use with LabVIEW. Uh, just beating that drum year after year to try to get everyone using source code control and documenting their code and conducting peer reviews and so on. Uh, if you attend the hands-on for that one, I'll also be there. Um, so yeah, I'll be uh, all over the place with different sessions. In fact, there's a whole track dedicated to software. Uh, and uh, I would recommend reviewing those for any anyone that's either a LabVIEW expert or just looking to get up to speed in some of the la latest concepts. Okay, so... Um Software engineering best practices. <laughs> what what do you find as uh, kind of the uh, as something that people don't do enough of? <laughs> <laughs> well, I always like to start that 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 particular session by by asking the audience how many of them use source code control, and I always tell the ones that don't raise their hand that uh, they're playing with fire, and if they haven't already gotten burned, that I guarantee you they will. Uh, so source code control is the one thing that I, I feel strongly everybody should be taking full advantage of. And with free, easy to use tools that work great with LabVIEW like Subversion, there's there's really no excuse. And the tutorials that we have online walk through exactly how to set up and use those. Um, but you know, I'm glad to say I've seen uses of source code control and LabVIEW go, go way up just in recent years. Uh, aside from that, you know, peer reviews definitely should be done. Uh, a common mistake, a lot of people wait till they're quote, done with a project to try deploying it for the first time. And that's when the last 4% can sometimes take 96% of the time. Yeah, so, be, yeah, because I mean, um, the issue there is uh, most people develop in the development environment and source code with the source code, you know, running the VIs and so on. And a lot of the deployments require either building an executable or sending it down to a target and like an RT target. Um, and then they wait that till, till the end because they think, well, it's just one click away. I'll just click it and I'm done. <laughs> yeah. And that's where everything or, goes wrong. 
or absolute paths, you know, or, or, you know, being installed in a 64 bit machine and having a slightly different location on disk. I mean, there's all sorts of things or having, having performance issues that are dependent upon processor speed and then going from a two core to a four core system. I mean, it, all sorts of reasons why in any environment, but of course, LabVIEW too, you should be building and deploying and testing on that system as early as you possibly can. And ideally even automating that process to some extent. Actually, Omar from JKI is doing a presentation this week um, on uh, automated build servers. Oh, great. So yeah. that's, that's one that people should attend as well. Um, we, we do automated builds at JKI, and he talks about some of the tools that we use there. So that'd be one to see. Yeah, definitely an important process. Something, of course, we do here every day tonight. So, uh, Eli, thank you for, uh, for coming to uh, VI Shots and talking to us about the cool new features of LabVIEW 2012. Um, hopefully, uh, people can get in touch with you and come to your sessions at an iWeek. Um, you're online as well. Uh, what, what, where can people find you? The best place they can find you online? Well, of course, you can go to ni.com slash large apps and visit the community site, which has my blog and a lot of great discussions. Uh, you can also go directly to my blog at ecarry.wordpress.com. And uh, in either location, I, I usually keep my ear to the ear to the ground as far as the latest questions and discussion threads. So pretty quick and easy way to get a hold of me. Are you on Twitter or do you don't, you don't want people following you on Twitter? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, of course. I'm on Twitter, too. Uh, my Twitter handle, I believe, is uh, Elijah286. Okay. Uh, thanks again. Thanks, Michael. My pleasure. Thank you. I would also like to thank you, the audience, for listening to this episode of the VI Shots podcast. Make sure to visit the show notes page on vishots.com to find links to the content mentioned in this episode. You can also leave a comment over there with any questions, or you can send us an email to feedback at vishots.com. Thanks again for listening, and bye for now. Bye.